and everybody was like, "Oh, <laughs> Ryan, wow, what, what are, you, what did, did you, did you get your internet cleaned? What, what happened? Like, it sounds, it sounds so good." Yeah. All right, let me give you the stupid one. Okay. Okay, so the stupid topic is uh, credit card readers at grocery stores or wherever, right? Okay. So when you you put your credit card in, you complete the transaction, and then it it gives you— Oh, is it the sound? Yes, it's the sound. (laughs) So it gives gives you a sound to let you know, don't forget your card. It's not a polite, friendly, don't forget your card. It's an—it's like— <laughs> right? Do you, what is it? What is it's it? It's like you, you do it's it. like your transaction was complete, what, successful. What does it, it actually sound like? Try, I think it's like it. yeah. There's there's different ones, right? I and don't know. It's something like that. It's pretty it's pretty jarring, and it it makes it sounds like something went wrong. It, it does, sounds yeah. like your card was declined. It sounds right? like your card doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds, sounds like, like yeah. It sounds like you're about to get in trouble like right yeah this you stole this card exactly and and the cops are on their way yeah they're about to burst through the windows it's terrible it's absolutely terrible it's so bad and uh i just can't get over it i I think of it every time i i i talk to cashiers about it they probably don't give a shit or want to hear me talk about it but i do and i will (laughs) um to be fair i've heard recently i've heard a couple of these readers that have a friendly sound. Oh, interesting. I it's, haven't heard, yeah, I haven't heard this. I, I heard one at target the other day and it was like, and I've heard it a few other places, but it's like, I can't remember what it was. It was like a bloop, 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 or it was, it was something you'd expect. It's like a friendly, your transactions complete and now take your card. Um, yes. I mean, these types of feedback sounds are not new to the world of technology. Like we've been doing this yeah. for years. Um, I, my, my best guess is that they, that they, whatever type of speaker that's in there can literally only make one sound, and that's the one sound. You think so? It's some really cheap piece of, I don't know. I mean, speakers are so cheap anyway. Like, I don't know how that could be the case. But Yeah, I feel like they just did not consider that. They were just like, we need some business requirement document The acceptance criteria was, said make sound. Make sound. <laughs> make people feel bad <laughs> with the sound. Yeah. Oh man, it's bad. So that's my stupid topic for today that I uh, I was really happy to think of because that's one of those little gripes that uh, really bothers me. Just just so just because it's so unnecessary. It's like you could have picked any sound, and that's the one you went with, and it really does indicate that there was an error of some kind. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing. <laughs> just as as a society that we were unable to solve that problem. Yeah, but I think we're getting there. Improvement. Cool. Um, so in some of the past shows recently, we've been talking about virtual reality. The last one we talked about augmented reality a lot. And one of the things that we keep talking about are what are the real use cases for it? Some of the some of the devices that are out now and available, it's a lot of gaming. It's, it's some novelty stuff. One of the things I've always found really interesting is 
the idea of what's called location-based entertainment. And after doing a little research, I found that this is actually a very vague general term, which I've seen some definitions as vague as any kind of entertainment outside of your home, right? So that could even mean like movie theaters and things. So not helpful. But when I kept diving, I found what I was looking for, which is location-based virtual reality or location-based augmented reality, which basically just means you're using you know, a virtual reality headset or an augmented reality headset in a specific location that's designed to fit with the software you're, you're using it with, right? So it might be a theme park. It might be a, you know, a large warehouse, which essentially becomes a virtual reality theme park. So there are these places that are popping up uh, that are really exciting, and there's lots of different kinds we'll get to. Um, but is that is that pretty much what you found as you've been looking at that? Yeah. So, I mean, the kind of stuff I was learning about is like um, uh, the theme park stuff is good or even almost like a laser tag style kind of arena, yeah. so to speak, where you, you know, an environment had been created that is either for AR or VR and I think the the VR ones are kind of cool because when you think of like laser tag, for example, you think you know the there's like a room that where everything is kind of um, just blacked out and it kind of looks like um, I don't know, it looks like behind the scenes of a set to a to a movie or something, right? Where there's yeah, no, it's like Tron. Yeah, there's like there's really no uh, you know visual like nothing to really look at. It's just all black. Right. And so Mm -hmm. you can create a, you can create all of the visual effects in the virtual world, but still have walls and ramps and platforms that correspond with what you're seeing. And so, you know, you might see a cliff that you think you would fall off of, but really there's just a, a one foot drop, you know, that doesn't really, you know, it's not dangerous and you can't actually fall, but you might feel that you could, because if you step near the edge, you'll feel the edge of that cliff. Right. So yeah, some exactly. cool some cool elements of scale that you can you can feel like you're outside because the wind is blowing but really there's just a fan blowing on you. Right. Um but you're being, you know, kind of being tricked into into believing some of these things are a little more real than they might otherwise seem. Yeah, and and what's so cool about this to me is like, you know, if you have a virtual reality headset and you're sitting, you know, you're in your basement or you or sometimes when you watch videos of people, they'll be in their garage or they, they you need some space where it's like 9 feet by 9 feet where you know you're unencumbered where you can move around a little bit but you're always kind of limited based on the space you're in and the space you're in is not customized generally to you know fit again fit with the software or the game you're playing and so this is a way to stimulate your senses and just make the immersion that much deeper and i i I suspect i haven't done a lot of this stuff but i suspect it makes the immersion significantly deeper yeah, the the only thing kind of similar to this that I had tried was um, a setup that uh, that we had done at work one time where um, I don't I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like a, like a plank of wood was on the on the floor, and you were in this VR thing, and you kind of line it up just right so that you feel like you're walking out on a plank over top of a city or something like that. And so you could kind of, again, you could kind of feel the edges and you look down and you see this, you know, like massive drop. Um, Yeah, that's pretty freaky. I mean, it's cool, but at some point it's, it's just like a, a thrill for the sake of it. So, um, I don't know. It's kind of fun, but you know, I wasn't really that convinced by it. 
And, um, I mean, to be honest, like a lot of VR stuff kind of makes me nauseous anyway. Yeah. So I, I, um, wasn't really that into it. Yeah. And that, and that's the kind of thing. It's like a 10 second. It was a gimmick. Shtick, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, and I'll tell you about some that I've read about, but you know, these are more experiences or stories, you know, it's, they're, they're longer experiences. Um, some of them range from, uh, you know, a roller coaster ride, for example, where you put on a headset. I saw this one at SeaWorld Orlando, I believe, and it was it's called Kraken Unleashed. And the idea is you put on a headset on this roller coaster and it basically, you know, as you go around the roller coaster, it mimics obviously what you're seeing in the virtual reality software, which is, you know, you're in a little submarine and it's zipping around uh, and dives down into the ocean initially. And then Again, you're just you're spinning all over the place. It does look like it would definitely make uh, somebody nauseous. Um, but you know, it's there's there's crazy uh, prehistoric giant fish and uh, octopi swimming around, and it's uh, it's just a crazy little adventure. Um, but the one that I read about that looked much more interesting to me is one Disney is is has deployed right now, and so it's called the Void. Now, have you heard of this? No, I haven't heard this one. Okay, so this is called The Void, and it's a Star Wars-themed experience, and they have it at oh, four of their maybe locations. maybe I have heard this. And the idea is you go in groups of four, and you're it's, – it's, I guess it's – again, it's like virtual reality slash augmented reality. So you go in with four friends, you put on these virtual reality headsets, and you're all – you look at each other, and you all appear as stormtroopers. And the idea is that you're in this scenario where you're trying to – find intel uh undercover for the for the rebellion and so i don't know how long it is i don't know how good it is but it sounds kind of amazing and i just read a couple articles of people who who had tried it and it it sounded very cool even just the idea kind of gave me some tingles just kind of thinking about the the potential of that where it's almost more like a an escape room but again in a another a complete other world so do you think these things are, I mean, what is the the business model and the like, what are they trying to target here? Is this like going after movie theaters? Is that kind of where you see this going? Like, Well, one of the things I read and I thought was interesting, I don't know if it's the main reason, but I saw one reason this is becoming more prevalent is the idea it's trying to it's trying to lure more people into buying VR headsets themselves. The idea is like giving them experiences that they can appreciate and see the value in, which, you know, may in turn lead to more, you know, the purchase of more headsets. I I don't know if that's again, like the main driver. I think it's just, again, it's just like, it's just like a ride or something. It's, 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 it's a low cost thing for them where they're building the software and you have to have the environment. But again, the environment doesn't have to be, you know, decorated or designed uh, in the same way. You're investing in the software over the the upkeep or the, the actual, you know, the costs of of a detailed interior that would look like a spaceship or um, an area like that, right? Yeah, I'm sure they're thinking about this, but I'm imagining that there could be some kind of room with these kind of modular pieces that could be moved around to fit whatever storyline you need. So if you, you know, if you have to have a, I don't know, a a spaceship or something you can create a ramp that you can put a ramp in a specific position that makes you feel like you're walking up into a spaceship you know and if you need to you know turn that ramp around you can walk down into um 
I don't know, into a parking garage or you could change the mm-hmm. environment. You know, like you can move these modules around that you can, you know, if you want to be in a jungle, you can, um, you know, style these things into different, um, to, you know, to look like how they should be, but using the same, like almost puzzle pieces to, to move the space around in like a warehouse. Exactly. Yep. I I thought the same thing. You might have some like brushy things that feel like trees or ferns and you're right. And that's something you could, you could use over and over again. Um, so that, that, that is an interesting idea in a way that it could save them, save them cost. And obviously VR is just hot right now in general. And so I think it's people or companies trying to get ahead of that and be, make sure that their theme parks have these VR experiences that customers are going to expect right in a, in uh, a short amount of time. Yeah. Do you, do you think this is the kind of thing where people expect to go and like spend an entire day at a thing like this, or is it more like something you could do after work and like pop in for a quick, like you go see a movie? Yeah. You know, so right now it looks like most of these rides or experiences are tied with more traditional theme parks. Right. So it's the kind of thing you might just do as a, a one-off, just like you might when you go to an aquarium or a science museum or something, you maybe will go see an IMAX movie while you're there, right? Because it's they'll have a 45-minute you know, IMAX movie on the pyramids of Egypt or something like that, right? So it's, just, it's an additional cost, and it's a, another experience that you know allows them to upcharge you on tickets. And so part of what I was searching for was looking for companies where this is all they do, right? That, that, that they're really saying, you know, no, this is not a traditional theme park. This is a virtual reality or an augmented reality theme park. Um, I saw a few little things like that. Like there's one in LA uh, that looks kind of interesting, but it's all very new. And I, you know, there's a, they're also the ones that aren't open yet are, are very clandestine and secretive. And uh, so it's hard to say or speculate on those, but I I do think it's the kind of thing you would you would go to and spend at least a couple or, or a few hours doing, especially if you're going to be justifying you know paying forty fifty bucks kind of thing. Yeah, one of the ones I saw was, and I forget the name of it, but they would um, pull it up in a truck, and basically this like um, back of a truck like. Uh, you know, oversized trailer would pull up and they could do build outs inside this trailer. Um, what I wasn't quite sure of is like how, cause it's really not that much room, how, you know, what types of experiences can you fit in a trailer? But I think the idea was that you could, um, you know, be at some kind of event and there could be like a pop-up location based entertainment uh-huh. setup, and you could go in and like kind of experience that quickly, which seemed cool in that you, you know, you might be at a concert or, um, some kind of conference and there could be this little thing off to the side and they don't need an entire, you know, massive auditorium to make it happen. Right. So let me tweak the conversation to, towards augmented reality. So location-based augmented reality. So th- there's a company called Magic Leap. They're ridiculously big right now in terms of valuation. I think it was like a $4.5 billion valuation for a company that's never released a product. Um, do you want to give people an idea of what the magic leap is? So magic leap one. Yeah. So my understanding of magic leap is that it is, and I guess maybe I don't understand how this ties into the location based stuff because I thought, 
it was just a glasses-based AR system right. that could kind of be used anywhere. Yeah, you're right. And I, I thought I read something like they were going to have some spaces or something. I'm, I'm kind of speculating based on what I a couple articles I did read. But you, you're right. I'm kind of shifting the conversation away from location-based because the idea with this augmented reality headset is it can generate a program so maybe like again if it's a star wars one there's a couple droids and they can the the headset can detect your surroundings and so it's not going to place uh you know a character within uh an at you know within overlapping with your coffee table or something those 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 characters will know that that's a coffee table and might display some information on it or will walk around it and so this is the other side of things which to me honestly has more potential um, it seems like that would be a great way to sell hardware because the potential is limitless in terms of maybe you play a game with your friends, like a shooter game in your basement or something where, you know, people pop up behind your couch or, you know, different, different areas it can detect within the room. Um, but you might say, well, Hey, it would be really fun to do this over in this location. Um, you know, you think about Pokemon go and all the success that had, you could th- you could definitely see games like that or that game itself and how much fun it could be to take the game out into the world or ex- or explore different locations and it r- would really ramp up the replayability versus again a VR set you kind of s- you have in your basement where you you pop it on and you're really kind of limited to the visual experience that's the same no matter where you are versus again going outside feeling the wind blow in your hair and seeing these the software interact with the world around you right yeah do you know if the magic leap is supposed to handle all the computation inside the glasses themselves yeah that's a good question i i thought i i know i know that i saw like a video and they were connecting to the computer but i i thought it was to sort of download information or something so i i do think that's the idea um they look fairly chunky there's they look really stupid yeah that's they look be, so stupid i know this is radio <laughs> the number one thing but they look like well why don't you describe them a little yeah they look like old timey steampunk goggles you'd you'd see someone like on one of those like those old timey goggles uh you'd you'd wear on a motorcycle so there's like these two really round uh lenses and man you you take a crack at this that's 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 my that's the best i can do i think that's that's fair that's a pretty great description but okay. they um the way you described that almost made them look cool sound cool, right and Not they cool. don't sound they don't look cool at all they look no. very um well and i think what you're the the roundness of the glasses is accurate and it, you know i yeah. mean people listening this to this can just you know uh, Google search for them later if they're not, you know, driving in a car. Um, you know, don't <laughs> endanger yourself while Remember. you're driving. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm looking at a photo right now, and that you can so take the roundness of how you describe, but put like a flat, thick, uh, like small curve across the top, right? So there's this kind of, and then there's like six or seven cameras on the front of these things right. in different places and the cameras are not hidden at all. So right. you get you get these tiny little it almost looks like some kind of bug or something the way these yep. like when you see these images of bugs that have like 
weird bug eyes all over the place, right? And so yeah. you have that, and so there's an, an element of like swoopiness to them that um, they kind of like swoop over behind your head, and the piece that goes behind your head. This is why I asked if if you thought they were the computation was happening within the glasses because the even the the parts that go behind your head and over your ears are super thick. So it's almost like a yeah. tube or something that goes around behind your, like a the size of a garden hose basically going around behind your head. So basically unacceptable <laughs> visual look. Like there's just no way. And yeah. I think that is kind of the number one barrier that we're trying to get over um, with this, but, you know, like to, to be caught in the wild. Like I think some people are self-conscious about maybe wearing an Apple watch because it's a little too bulky. Right. Um, so at this yeah. point, like, there's no way you're going to put something like this on your face. So I'm impressed with some of what they're doing and some of the, um, you know, the things that I've seen. I've also heard that a lot of their demos are faked um, or, like, have a lot of, like, After Effects yeah. magic going on top of them. So they're they're not really showing you, you know, true output of what their system is capable of. They're showing right. you a, a, rendering. A, a hypothetical of where they want to be when they release it, which I understand you kind of need to do that. Otherwise... If it was ready, if it was working how they wanted it, they'd probably be shipping it. So right. they have to they have to fill in the gaps a little bit. Um, but at the same time, um, I don't know. These things are at this at this. Uh, if they're going to look like this, no one's ever going to use them. It's, it's <laughs> they, as simple they look, as that. They look really dumb. They Absurd. really do. And this yeah. is what we were talking about last week a little bit. It's just like technology and uh, again, like like people's willingness to use stuff that looks kind of goofy and the value has to outweigh the, the goofiness or the inconvenience. Um, and it was funny because last week we did talk about having cameras on a headset you might wear or augmented reality glasses. And of course, like, again, just this example, it's like six cameras. And I was watching a video uh, with somebody from Magic Leap, and they were explaining it, and they were like, don't worry, it'll like shine a certain colored light when we're recording or taking pictures and i'm just like oh man people are not gonna be cool with this not no chance not all people right um people are gonna feel like this is weird even if they get the size down and everything like that um but again i don't see this i this is probably a stepping stone right this is not a product that your most people the vast majority of people are gonna wear around town right or they're gonna be wearing it in the office <laughs> This is a product that's going to be very entertainment-based, I think, initially. And it's going to be the kind of thing that you go out to wear, like, at specific locations. And it's going to be – I'm trying to think of how to explain it, but it's going to be – you're going to look a little goofy. It's going to be almost kind of like somebody on their phone playing Pokemon Go or something where, you know, it's it's – you know, some people are going to be embarrassed to do it. And you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's that person's doing that thing. But uh, I don't think it's going to be the kind of thing people are just walking around the city wearing these things all day, right? Yeah, absolutely. At least not at not anytime soon. So, right. Um, the I think the thing that um, I'm excited about for the rumored uh, glasses that Apple's working on, and we touched on this last week, I think, is that it would be powered by your iPhone in your pocket. Mm -hmm. And you'd be able, you know, if it's wireless, that's great. And if it's not, like having a small cord go up to your head, like you're, you know, like we're all used to from wearing headphones um you know that's not really the end of the world and if you can get a lot of that technology to go into your pocket or you know not be on your face and just have the glasses themselves on your face then you've made made pretty good progress 
Um, my guess here is that they're because they don't have um, either the technology to do it or they don't have, um, you know, I don't know. There's there's something they're missing here that's causing them to put way more bulk into the glasses themselves. Yeah, I almost wonder if like, you know, they had considered putting like a backpack or something, right? Like something, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, not that a, crazy, a, right? A like, wagon, a wagon that you pull around. You just pull it around. Right, that's fine. It's easy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like a little backpack or something where it has you know some kind of small computer in it that um, could do the trick. I mean, it would certainly be more cost effective uh, versus trying to cram it all into a little teeny tiny space that can fit on your head and doesn't overheat. Right? Yeah, that, that thing's gonna get hot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Computers get hot. It's. I'm just. I'm still looking at photos of it, and it looks so yeah. stupid. It looks it's, really dumb. It's so um, stupid. I just. I was cracking up when I saw it, and I was just like, "Yep, that's exactly what I think of when I think of like stupid future glasses that people are going to laugh yeah. at, and that I'm not going to wear." <laughs> One of the things that you called out that I think is is really important about this, though, and they see, they claim to have, um, I don't know, conquered this, solved this problem is the idea of occlusion and knowing which elements are in front of what and being able to place something um, appropriately in the depth of the scene. And I think that's key um, to creating a realistic illusion. So like even the example that you gave about like walking around the coffee table, it's, it's surprisingly difficult to get something to go behind the coffee table, but in front of the couch, right? Like right. it has to know all of these pieces and where they line up and, you know, it has to really map out a full, 3d space but it doesn't it doesn't actually know the extent of the 3d space because it all it knows is from the perspective that you're in you know it uh, it appears that there would be a gap between these two things but it doesn't know what's actually you know not visible so you have to you know as you start to like walk around your space it would continue to kind of like map that 3d environment and start to like you know if you've if you've captured it from a few different angles start to compare those different angles and start to build out a 3d map that it can then, you know, kind of replicate in the 3D world and, you know, move things around within it. So if yeah. they actually have mastered that, I think that's a huge breakthrough. Um, Apple's AR kit currently doesn't have any concept of that. And so if you want to, if you put something in a space, it's the thing that you add on top of the space is always in the front of everything. So you can, basically, you can't pass your hand behind anything you can't you yeah. can't put anything behind something else it's always it's always in the front most space so it's great when you have an open space to you know kind of present like there's this this uh one ar app i've been playing with called ar dragon i think um and you have like a little pet dragon that kind of follows mm. you around and so it's kind of like a tamagotchi but yeah so i was got, thinking yeah you've got this Cute. pet dragon and you feed it and you can play games with it and all these things and it's great it looks pretty realistic and kind of believable and then all of a sudden like the leg of a chair is like almost like a mc escher thing it's like going in front of the thing that it's behind right like you right <laughs> it's it's like it breaks the illusion you know like wait that chair is behind that and now it's in front of this what um, right and that kind of it kind of ruins the experience a lot of times because you're you're quickly reminded that this is all fake um i mean not to mention that you're like holding your phone up in with AR kit, for example, so you you actually can see that there's no dragon behind your phone, right? So you mm-hmm. you the the illusion's already fairly broken, but um, that's I think one of the most important pieces 
of, you know, or even if you're, as you're talking about like walking around a city, if you're, um, I don't know if the example we talked about last week about drawing a map on the ground of like for walking directions, right? If the arrow that you're drawing is drawn on the ground and it needs to go behind a signpost or something to tell you to cross the street, if it goes in front of the signpost and it doesn't, it doesn't line up or make sense, um, it's kind of, it's kind of busted. This is a little random, but do you know if there are like laws against like wearing virtual reality headsets or augmented reality headsets in public spaces or like in places that you could be endangered, like with traffic and things like that? Um, I don't know. I don't know. There will be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there will be. Um, that's a that's a really good point. I wonder, I mean, I could see the case for... Um, for these kind of, I don't know, uh, software makers or hardware makers to build something into there to even help prevent you from, you know, because even just because there's a law doesn't mean people are necessarily going to follow it, follow it. But being able to build something in where it knows if you're near a heavily trafficked area, like maybe not to present, hmm. you know, cert- not to cover Dragons. up too much of the screen or yeah, like if, you know, or don't, don't, uh, don't show me a highway with no cars on it when you know a tumble a tumbleweed barreling down rolls. on you yeah yeah <laughs> tumbleweed rolls across the road you know no, no one's out here okay i guess we're good oh man um, yeah i don't know i just because obviously people are going to be where like whenever like the apple right releases their headset people are going to be wearing it all over and that's the idea is that eventually this stuff is going to get more and more immersive it's going to get more and more distracting and so i'm just curious at what point People are going to start having accidents, are going to be distracted. Um, I mean, you could say that about a lot of technology, and we obviously have problems with people just staring at their phones, you know, in general. So maybe people at least looking in the direct, you know, up at eye level is a, <laughs> is an fair. improvement, even if there's dragons flying around. But it's just a, just a thing that kind of popped in my head. That's fair. I think, I mean, maybe you could build in some safety stuff there too, where you actually are, um, you know, it it draws your attention to things that may be, you know, that could be a feature of an AR pair of glasses is there's a, like a, a danger warning, you know, like uh, if it's dark and maybe a car doesn't have his headlights on, like the glasses can identify the moving object better than you can. And they can um, kind of call out that there's a danger here or some mm-hmm. kind of warning. Yeah. Maybe, maybe like something is moving at, at a fast enough speed. It can detect, okay, that thing is moving at more than 10 miles per hour. Therefore we'll highlight it or something, right? Like, well, yeah, draw, draw an outline around something that whether might be... it's a cyclist or a car or whatever, a dragon, real dragon, real dragons. Yeah. It's like, this one's real, not rendered. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a wacky, wacky world. We're going to be living in it really is it was fun kind of looking into some of the stuff and it uh i started to get kind of excited like a lot of this stuff where it just sounds when i'm just reading about it or when i'm thinking about it 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 seems novelty and i'm limited based on what i've tried you know which is mostly older stuff and prototypes and whatnot um but when i start seeing what may be in three, four or five years. Uh, I'm like, okay, that's when I'm, that's when I'm down. I'm, I'm super into that, like the star Wars one. And here's the thing I wanted to touch on with the star Wars one is a good example of it. It sounds like a cool story and I don't care how good your tech is. 
good storytelling is always going to be important for immersion. And I'm really curious to see, you know, whatever the the technology is, whatever the hardware is, I want to see good storytelling, you know, within the environment. Uh, I think that is going to be really important. I, I think about that with video games where sometimes certain studios will get so obsessed with, you know, the latest graphics um, that they forget things like gameplay or or storytelling and, and how immersive that can be. And yeah, I just feel very strongly about that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I've always been a fan of Nintendo. Um, when it comes to gaming, they've, you know, famously they've been, you know, a generation behind for the last, you know, three or four consoles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they really focus on getting, getting the best gameplay, getting, um, getting all of the storytelling, right. And really less so on graphics. And that's always been, um, what kind of drew me to it got you well i don't know i mean again it was interesting because i started out this this episode kind of looking into location-based entertainment found that that was really vague and kind of dove into the location-based virtual reality stuff which is really cool and i do want to keep an eye on you know theme parks that have it or um, maybe some standalone parks and like find excuses to go out there and try it um, but then also the augmented reality sets, which allow you to kind of take that experience outside of, you know, the, uh, a confined area and you can create those experiences anywhere. So there's kind of pros and cons to each of them, but it'll be curious to, to try them and, and see how they try to leverage their strengths, uh, as much as they can. Yeah, absolutely. You remember when I went to, uh, universal studios, they had a lot of those, I mean, they weren't, mm -hmm. um, augmented reality or virtual reality but they were these kind of uh screens where you wear like typical 3d glasses so you get a kind of a 3d experience through glasses just because you're looking at screens right mm -hmm. and uh to be honest the the best the best experiences there were the ones that didn't use glasses and had all all practical effects so i think that is kind of a sign to me that we're not quite ready even a you know a big theme park with a huge budget can create these experiences that are cool and interesting. Um, but the best ones are still just using, you know, real practical effects. Yeah, totally. And, and even like that one, uh, that one video I saw with the sea world, the, the Kraken unleashed. Um, I'm sure it's a great experience. I'm sure it's like really exciting. Uh, but the, the, the story itself, I mean, obviously it was just, there wasn't, story to it it was just a submarine kind of diving into water and zipping around and doing a lot of flips uh and you just saw a lot of crazy big sharks and fish that almost bite you right like every you know yep. five seconds almost and, got bit by that one <laughs> there we oh, go again there we go again and these guys get so close but they never get me <laughs> exactly and to me it's just like really that's like that's what you decided on like in the you know like storyboarding like that was what you went yeah. with and it's like no they're just they're just trying to create graphics that are going to make up for the rest of, that's that doesn't define the experience and i want to see people create an actual story because that will that's what sticks that's what will really like stay with you yeah a lot of a lot of the ones at universal had the the story element would have something where um, it's almost like you were helping helping out the main characters. Like mm -hmm. in the Harry Potter one, you have to like help them uh, capture a dragon that that you know escaped. 
Um, but you don't, it's not interactive. Like you're not actually doing anything. You're just like flying along with them on a, on a broomstick, supposedly, you know, like you're in a, you're in a chair, but, um, you know, you're flying along with them and you work together to like save the day. And then at the end, like everyone's cheering and they're like, you did such a good job. You helped us save the dragon. You're like, no, I didn't. I just sat in this chair and I'm not even sure how the, how these stories like even connected. It doesn't quite make sense. Um, the one that was more fun was, uh, actually was the men in black one where you're actually shooting aliens with a, with a laser gun. Oh, that's and cool. you're like on this, you're on this, it's an on rails shooter. You're literally on a rail and you're shooting aliens, real aliens that pop up. I mean, they're like puppets. Um, and you've got a, it's basically laser tag technology and you shoot real aliens and you get points. And that was, that was way more fun because you're actually really doing a real interactive thing. So I think that one's starting to approach what you could get into with some of this stuff is like, okay, I'm holding a gun or a controller. I have some kind of input and I can make things happen. Whereas the, the rest of the universal kind of screen things were, you know, much more like watching a movie. So, yeah. And like, one thing I was thinking about, I thought of this, um, there's some bus ride down in San Antonio, I think, during Halloween where you can get paintball guns. You, you're in this, like, school bus, and they they have, zo- like, zombies, like, actors, like, charging the bus, and you can, like, actually shoot them. You, sh- like, are shooting wow. zombies. How much do they get paid? Probably not enough. Not enough. <laughs> Getting so, shot with paintballs. So the idea is like, could you, could you do that? Like, I mean, you could think of something like the next generation of haunted hayrides, right? Where you are, you know, bumping around in a bus or something, and yeah, you are able to with just virtual reality headsets, and you can, or augmented reality, where you're shooting stuff, and who knows, maybe you could even have other people on their computers play like the zombies or something right where so it's even more uh i don't know interactive i guess or that would just be a way to reach more people or get more people involved um but that would just be a way to use something low cost as the environment but again it provides a really immersive experience um environmentally and then you just slap some gameplay and maybe some some like assets on top of it but Something like that could be really cool. And again, more importantly, for a business perspective, low cost. Yeah, interesting. Um, I wonder how much this will start to change as people start to have their own headsets. You know, like once you mm. really own your own. Like I think even now, like everybody has a smartphone, but there's not too many interactive I don't know, game experiences where everyone gets their smartphone out and plays together. Like I'm thinking of a few, like, um, have you ever played those Jackbox party games? No, we were supposed to a couple of weeks ago, actually. And we never got to that. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty cool. Like something runs on the TV. I think you can run it on an Xbox or an Apple TV, but then everybody in the, everybody in the room, you know, you can support up to like 12 people for certain games will get their phone out and, you know, log into this website and then you can interact with these games and play these multiplayer party games, right? Right, exactly. Um, or there's there was that one uh, Space Team or Space Force. Yep, do you remember, remember that one? Yes, I do. Um, so that was, like, kind of popular and people were, like, playing that together. Um, and then Pokemon Go is another one. Like, the, you know, once everybody has a smartphone in their pocket at all times, like, almost, almost every person in America has one, um, you know, you can play you know, you can play these games together. Like maybe, um, maybe the barrier to entry here is like, 
you know, you like to make some of this stuff happen, you have to borrow this headset. It's an expensive piece of technology. You have to like have a way to clean them and move them in and out through the system. It's kind of just weird and and clunky. Yeah. But it seems like if everybody has their own and you're just, you know, everyone's comfortable wearing these glasses and you can just install an app and play a game that might really help this kind of thing take off. Yeah. And obviously it could be the kind of situation where you, you have the option to bring your own and pay markedly less or you pay, you know, to rent your own. Right. It's just like when, when everybody had their own uh, laser tag system in a backpack, you know, like we would just play laser tag all the time because we all had owned our own laser tag equipment. Right. Um, (laughs) Did, did you? No. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. And I saw or was reading also about how the more standards come into the, the actual kits, the development kits, that will be good. It'll be like a rising tide for all boats kind of situation where, you know, you build something and you'll be able to share it across different platforms and just be able to reach a larger audience, right? Yeah, that platform stuff is going to be key. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. These shows, the endings just write themselves. <laughs> right. Yeah, that one was pretty abrupt, but uh, <laughs> we always figure it out. Uh, you'll fix um, it in post. Yeah.